This is Monday Morning Church, the podcast where executive pastors, church administrators, and IT managers share their stories. Monday Morning Church is presented by Kissflow, the church automation solution. You can download the free ebook, The Beginner's Guide to Church Automation, at bit.do slash church automation. That's bit.do slash church automation. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Church Podcast. Chris Taberer is joining us today from First United Methodist Church, Tulsa, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Great to have you on the show today, Chris. Well, thanks for having me, Courtney. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about how you came into your position there at First United Methodist, Tulsa. Well, as many things go, it's kind of been a a long and winding road for me, but uh, I started out in my career about, oh, I spent about 15 years in television advertising here in the Tulsa market. I worked for a local television station and then a local advertising agency. And then I went from there um, after working at the ad agency for a while, I kind of began to discover that it was time to move on to something else. And so began to do some teaching and some other things and uh, as things have it, you know, as, as soon as I start trying to control things, you know, God says, eh, why don't we stop that for a minute and let me show you what I want you to do. And so uh, so I had an opportunity to go uh, work with a friend uh, who was looking for, uh, he was the senior pastor at a church, and he was looking for the first uh, church business manager for that church, and they'd, they'd never had that position before. And so um, got with him and worked out a deal and decided, you know, this is something that God's calling me to do. And so I spent about seven years at another United Methodist Church here in town, and then about a year ago, actually, I switched over here to First United Methodist Church in Tulsa, and uh, have have loved being here. And so, it's just been kind of a winding road of uh, following my my skills and and my gifts and talents, and finally listening to what God had planned for me. So, hmm. so tell us a little bit about what your role is there. My role here, my title is executive administrator, and so I take care of all of the. I hate to say it this way, but sometimes you see, if you, I think everybody will understand is the non-ministerial things that the church takes care of. So uh, everything from IT to communications uh, to finances, uh, the maintenance. Uh, we also have a full-service um, gym here at the on our campus uh, that's open to the public, and so I also supervise that staff, and uh, and as well as. Um, all the human resources for the staff. So that's, that's all supervisory role. I mean, you know, I've got plenty of people that do those things and, and a great staff that takes care of those, those items for me. But uh, that's kind of what I supervise. Now, how much of your current role overlaps with, you know, your years in TV advertising, or does it just seem like a whole nother lifetime? You know, the probably the biggest role that overlaps would be the communications department. Um, my communications director and I have a have a good rapport because we do speak some of the same la- same language, and um, I'm able to share uh, ideas with him, and he's be able, he's able to explain things to me without me having to go now. What does that mean? <laughs> um, and so that that's always a nice nice way to have conversation. And and I think the overlap um, really comes in the leadership skills. I, I had some good mentors during those times in advertising, and. Uh, they taught me a lot about leadership and management and uh, just business in general. And so I think the, the biggest overlap comes from those lessons that I learned from from those mentors. Now, tell us a little bit more about you know your church, your role. What is something you guys have going on there that you've really found success with, maybe some solution or best practice? The thing that, I, that we've been working on lately has been um, 
besides normal facility upkeep, we're in the middle of a remodel here, uh, working on some things to help with our hospitality ministry and welcoming um, all of our visitors and guests into a, into a nicer facility, updating it. Uh, we've been here in this location since the 20s, and so uh, the building is, you know, it, it needs updating every now and then. So besides doing those kinds of things, the, the best practices that I've discovered are are really beginning to develop strong yet lenient, if that makes any sense, um, policies and procedures that really help identify how to do something within the organization. So, um, for instance, when we everything from as simple as you know turning in a receipt and what and how to handle those kinds of things, all the way up to how to how to propose a new ministry opportunity and how to execute that. And so, mm. uh, we're really been working on trying to get those those types of things more solidified of you know from over the years and how long the church has been here uh they this church has recently undergone a, uh, a lead pastor change and so uh, we really had the opportunity to begin to shape the staff and the team in such a way that really i think is going to uh, drive us into the future and help us to reach more people for jesus christ so hmm. it's, it's an exciting time here at first so what is typically the staff's response to kind of introduced policies or procedure, is there a receptiveness to it? Or do you kind of have to go through a cycle every time of like kind of walking people through the process, convincing them it's a need? What's that like for you? Overall, they've been very receptive to the processes. I think there's been some confuse, some confusion around um, some things um, in the past as, you know, always had policies. And then as things go along, things get relaxed. And mm-hmm. um, But with, when new staff comes on board, they uh, it eliminates questions, if you will. You know, you kind of mm-hmm. say, okay, here's how we're going to handle this. So if it's a typical situation, then they know what to do. They know what step one is, and they know what step five is going to be. And so it really helps them, I think, um, manage their time and their day so that uh, they can go focus on the ministry that God's calling them to do. And so that's, I think, what that's been the the majority of the response to those now obviously mm-hmm. there's always there's always exceptions to the rules and whatnot that have that sometimes cause you know some consternation but nothing no major pushback which has been really nice to see that the staff is really eager to uh, work well together you know work on it as a team so tell us a little bit more about your team you know about the staff side of your team and then you know do you have also volunteer roles within your department We've got a couple of volunteer roles within within my area. Um, we actually do employ volunteers to uh, come in and help with uh, processing of some of the financial records and, and stuff like that and uh, keeping track of some of the attendance stuff. Uh, we do have volunteers that like to uh, come in and take care of answering the phone for us and, um, you know, helping out around the, the, the church when when like a big mailing or something comes in, you know, we've, we've got a good group of volunteers, but um, for the most part, our staff is, our, our church is fairly staff led. Uh, we have about 140 total staff members. Um, those range from everything from our full-time staff all the way down to our nursery workers and, and our early learning academy teachers. So um, some extremely part-time people and all the way up to full-time. So um, that's kind of our staff structure. Mm-hmm. And so we, and within every other department, there's tons of volunteers, of course, you know, all of our youth and children's volunteers that are extremely active in helping with those ministries and, of course, music volunteers and everything. So it, it's a very active, active group. I can see with 140 staff the need to standardize some of those procedures. Right. So that staff, the 140, is that mostly kind of the regular church operations or do you have any kind of like school associated with the church? 
We do have an early learning academy. Sorry, a little tongue twister there. Um, and so that is a it's a preschool basically. Not a we don't have a um, primary school or a secondary school here, uh, but we do have that uh, preschool opportunity. So now I want to go on the other side of this. What is you know a current challenge that you haven't quite found a solution for? You know, I think right now the challenge that we're um, that I'm facing, at, you know, in my office and in the things that I deal with, is how to utilize the data that we have in order to engage our congregation and our community better. Hmm. Um, you know, we we have opportunities all around us for in our community from single. We've you know been looking a lot at our demographics, and we have a lot of single people that live in the area near us. Uh, we have, of course, we're downtown church, and so we have, um, you know, a transient homeless population uh, that that needs our help. And so, how do we identify those those gaps that we can actually help fill? And um, and using data to do that, um, you know, we have a, I think, like a lot of mainline churches, we have an aging congregation that um, that is really looking for how how do they serve um, in at their point in life. Um, you know, they can't always go out and swing hammers, but what there's mm-hmm. lots of things they can do. And so how do we encourage that as well as encouraging our younger members to, you know, go get their hands dirty and, and step out and do missions. So, and I think there's a way to do that through, um, through data. Um, I just, uh, to, part of, not to jump ahead to one of the questions, but I'm part of a uh, executive pastors group that's sponsored by the Texas Methodist Foundation. Hmm. And um, we actually had a, a gentleman by the name of Matt Engel uh, come speak with us uh, just lot, two weeks ago, I guess. And um, he had a lot of good information to share with us about using big data uh, to engage our engage our constituencies. And it was it was a real stimulating conversation, very timely for us here. Um, as we address these kinds of problems here at first. Hmm. So what do you see coming, you know, around the bend in terms of taking the data that you collect? What do you kind of anticipate some of those either changes or initiatives might be based off of that data? Some of the initial ones, I think, would be really finding the way that we can reach out to our guests and engage them in meaningful ways, not just not just stepping into their lives and for one Sunday and saying, hey, we're glad you're here, but how do we identify what's what's happening in our in our culture, in our community, and then engaging them with, with opportunities that could address that problem or that issue or that idea in their life. Um, one of the one of the examples that was used at our talk was divorce, for instance. You know, if you have a high divorce rate in your church, how might you be able to I'd say covertly, but that's the word that's coming to my mind right now, covertly address that issue without mm. just coming out and preaching a sermon series on it. You know, what what opportunities can we offer for date nights? When I, you know, so do we mm. offer child care and encourage date nights? Do we um, invite people to um, come to a class about marriage strengthening and stuff like that? So, you know, those things, how do we then take that information and engage it for Tulsa and our downtown community? Hmm. Yeah, it seems like something that a lot of churches are running into now is right. it's much easier to collect data than it ever has been. But now that we have all this data, what do we do with it? Right, right. And that's the key. We're, you know, everybody from Google to Starbucks is using our data hmm. um, to um, identify and target us with ads and, and with products that we like. And, you know, I'm a, I'm, I think like most church people, I drink a lot of coffee. I do enjoy Starbucks. And so 
um, one of the things that they do regularly is send out an email with you know how to earn their their stars on their on their app. And so one of the things they do in there is target me with the kind of drinks that I order. Hmm. And so giving me more stars for ordering those drinks. Well, how do we? In turn, obviously, we can't give stars. I guess we could give stars, but we're not going to give stars <laughs> here at church um, to to our church members. But how do we engage them in a way that is meaningful to them so that we can say, okay, you're interested in overseas mission opportunities, so let me connect you with our missions coordinator uh, so that you can find an opportunity to support. Mm-hmm. Oh, you like you like local hunger missions. You want to go help out with the, uh, we call it John 316 here in town. You know, so let's let's get you connected with the day that we're going to be there feeding the homeless. And so really beginning to take that granular data and, and use it to target people in a way that says, we, we're listening. So here's the opportunity that you can, where you can serve, where your heart might find um, a call. Hmm. Now, Chris, you mentioned this uh, group of executive pastors in this Texas foundation. Who do you go to? Where do you go? Um, just to make sure you're staying sharp in your role and kind of paying attention to latest trends and what might work best for your church. I just recently joined this group of executive pastors. Um, like I said, it's sponsored through the Texas Methodist Foundation, and there's 12 of us in this group. Um, most of them are from Texas, uh, a couple from Arkansas, two of us from Oklahoma, and even one from New Mexico. And um, so we, we're kind of a, a, a group, but we're all United Methodists, and so that helps, I think, us navigate our denominational differences or our denominational things that we have to talk through and understand, as well as just keeping each other sharp on, you know, executive pastor issues, you know, the things that we face as uh, being second chair leaders and not, um, you know, not the primary um, voice in the organization. Um, so I, I enjoy that group a lot, and it's, it's given me a, a good outlet for uh, feedback and, and discussion. Uh, I also read a ton. I listen to other podcasts as well as yours. Um, there's there's also opportunities you know I enjoy things like the the Willow Creek Institute or the um, you know things like that just being able to um, engage at a leadership level and 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 listen to people that have done it before me um, and I still keep in touch with many of my mentors and and people from my past life just to kind of stay sharp on what's going on out in the in the non church world um, mm-hmm. you know so that I don't lose touch with that either so. So, Chris, what encouragement would you give to others in church leadership? Probably the biggest thing that I've ever learned in my life. Um, I grew up in going to, uh, I was in Boy Scouts when I was growing up, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And um, my dad and I were all very active in our troop and whatnot. And one of the things that I always learned uh, that my dad taught me and, and my troop leaders taught me was, you know, the things we should never ask someone that we're leading to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. Hmm. And I think that is probably more meaningful in church than just about any other organization I've ever worked with. Um, because we at church, sometimes it means we're cleaning the restrooms and sometimes it means we get to attend the, the visioning meetings. Um, and, and, you know, there's not one job that's below another where our lead pastor has kind of taken us through a process recently where we use kind of a circle org chart that kind of radiates um, outward. Um, and the idea is that our, our team of um, executive pastors here at first are, we actually call ourselves the support team in a way that we're supporting uh, the ministers and the other staff so that they can support the laity and the congregation to do the work that God's calling us to do as a church. And so mm. we really do uh, feel like our job isn't to be shining stars, but sometimes it does mean we have to uh, clean the toilets and, and, 
and move some chairs around. And sometimes it means we get to get all the accolades because something good has happened. But um, we never want to forget that uh, we should never do be be unwilling to do something that we're asking somebody else to do. So mm. that's been, always been an important thing for me to remember. No, that's wonderful. Chris, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Well, I'm so glad to talk to you, Courtney. Thank you for having me. This has been Monday Morning Church, presented by Kissflow. To learn how you can transition your church from paper forms to automated processes and improve your communication, go to church.kissflow.com.